Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I want everybody to lift up your hands. Give God a praise. Yep. Come on, let's just, right now, let's just enter and let's press in a little bit. Let's raise our hands. Everybody online in this house. And I want you to focus on your Heavenly Father because we came here to be in unity. We're tuning in to be in unity. We're not worshiping on our own style. I pray you, you you set dinner down for a second and you stand up and you raise your hands, not because your flesh feels like it, not because your pride wants it, but because your spirit longs for it. And some of our spirits are anorexic. And right now, God's about to download from heaven into your life and feed your thirsty soul. And you need to be ready because as praises go up, blessings come down. And you... You cannot be fed while you are silent. The feeding from God requires your mouth to be open. And Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, that we scoot up to the table. We lift our hands and we raise our praise for you inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, we open our mouths and start singing out loud because your word says, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. And Lord, we're not here to praise you because we feel like it, because our flesh wants it. We're here to praise you with the song and the dance. We're here to praise you with our voice. We're here to praise you with our jumping, our shouting, our amens, because a quiet believer is a dying believer. And we will not die. We will not shrivel up and become nothing. We're meant to be people of faith, and people of faith must speak. Faith is something that you walk in, something that you live in, something that you say, something that you operate in. Because a quiet church is a dying church. And right before all this broke out, we almost had to go to two Wednesday night services because it was so packed. There was a line out the door. And we were at four going on five Sunday morning services. And see, the devil thought that he could get the church to be quiet and calm because churches should be just simmer down now because that's really the devil's plan and the flesh's plan because the devil wants the church to be quiet because then it can remain impotent. But our, our power, the Bible says your power is in your words for you have the power to speak life and death. And so when the enemy thought, oh, I'll just get him out of the building, he made the mistake of thinking that the building was the church. When the people are the church, you are the church. And now we've got tuning in right now. We've got our home church in Montana tuning in, our home church in Las Vegas tuning in, our home church in Palmdale, our home church in Palm Springs, in Mojave, in Kingman. Uh, there, there are home churches popping up everywhere. And on top of that, the hundreds and hundreds of people in northern Arizona that call Bridge Church their home. Come on, let's give God praise one more time because the church isn't dead. We just left the building. And I'm so thankful. I want you to grab a seat, pull out your notes, get your Bible. We're going to get into the Word of God uh, tonight, and I'm going to share some vision with you. We are an expressive church because we know how to say a good amen, and we know how to, we know how to operate. When you come back to church, if y'all look at me funny, when I finally say, hey, let's open the doors and let people in, if you sit there and do this number and remain silent... 
I'm going to throw a mic. You better, when you come back in here, you need to have your heart and your spirit and your mind ready. Amen. During worship, go crazy. Those speakers almost blew my ears out tonight. I can't wait till everybody is back and, and the, the paint starts peeling off the walls that it's so loud in here. It's so powerful in here. And when you come back, you know how to praise God. You know how to get in unity and stop watching people engage and start becoming the engaged disciple that he created you to be. Because I, I'm going to finally be the preacher that you needed, not the one you wanted. And you might click off tonight because you don't want to hear what I have to say, but it's probably what you need to hear. And God wants to help grow you and challenge you in new ways and new dimensions and, and, and new areas of life because you're never done growing. As a 37-year-old man, I'm, I'm not done growing. I, I, I don't want, I'm not even to my prime yet. When I get to my prime, I'll, man, I'll be blessing and thanking God. But I'm not even there. I'm still a kid in most people's eyes. And I thank God for that. If you feel like a kid, somebody said amen right there. You, you just ought to feel like a kid to rejoice that you're youth and say, you know what, this is awesome because you know what, I've got more years, the better years are in front of me. I've got more before me than I do behind me. And so this is a huge blessing to know that God's ladder will be greater than your former. And so I want you to lock in, tune in, pull out your Bible, get something to take notes with because we're also a note-taking church because we take what God is saying seriously. And so some of us are used to being loud and we're good at that, but we need to be good at reflecting and writing as well. Uh, and so we got to have both sides, psychology 101. So you need that as a, as a healthy individual and human. That's how God created you to be. Um, but right now, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 20 and verse 10. Genesis chapter 20 and verse 10. I'm going to read a scripture most of you don't know. Uh, and then I'm going to tell you the story of where it's at. But in between there, I'm going to share some updates and vision with you. In Genesis, all the way back at the beginning, keep flipping that Bible, scrolling through. Genesis chapter 20 and verse 10, it says, Abimelech, everybody say Abimelech, said to Abraham, what did you have in view? I want you to underline that. What did you have in view that you have done this thing? I'm going to talk to you about perspective and view tonight. Thank you, Josh, for playing. If you, you want to stop and not torture your fingers for another 30 minutes, then you'll be, you're great to grab a seat. I um, want to share a couple updates with you before we keep moving. We sent out a survey, and we asked a few questions, and we've had 120 homes respond. And so uh, not everybody's responded, and so I encourage you to respond because we're going to send out a new survey at the end of the month. And so part of this survey asked some simple questions about how you feel comfortable being engaged when you come back to church. Because we know everybody wants to come back to church when you feel comfortable to come back to church. But how does that look and how do you feel in that moment? So we asked some simple questions. And one of the questions was, uh, would you prefer a dream team greeter to either high five you, smile with no contact, handshake, right, or other slash hug, right? And the majority, overwhelming majority, uh, 54% said smile with no contact. So I just want you to hear this information because I want you to know where a lot of people are. And then uh, we looked at the next question. It said, which of these resources would you like to be available upon entry? Hand sanitizer, given glo latex gloves, given a mask, None of the above, all of the above, and the overwhelming majority of 58% said hand sanitizer, and all the rest of them were very small, broken up pieces. 
And then uh, when it comes time for parents with kids. So I need every parent with a child to listen to me. The overwhelming majority said I don't have kids. So what that shows me is that I have a lot of people who are responding who don't have kids. So it's really difficult to navigate how kids should go when parents don't respond. So I need you to respond for us. Uh, but that was the majority for there. And then the second majority was 21, per, almost 22% with check-in as normal. Um, so that is a, uh, a, is a indicator for us as well. Then you look at the next question, question number four. How, uh, now that you've entered the sanctuary, which scenario do you prefer? Uh, did you want to sit right next to somebody or have two seats or have six feet? The two majorities uh, that took up the, 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 the main response was 42% have two seats. And then uh, 36% with sit right next to somebody, it doesn't matter. Um, and then question number five was all about offering, whether it's online or in a bucket. And 68% said just have it online. And so we, uh, and Kurt, we're going to, that's an easy option right there. And then right there, it's the last question. It says, which of these scenarios do you prefer when it comes to exiting the sanctuary in our welcome center? And so that was a split. Almost every answer was different and almost the same. And so... Uh, we have we have a, head, a road ahead of us uh, to pick out and to decipher, you know, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And so we're going to take each step with wisdom. We're going to take each step with faith. We're going to take each step with prudence. And uh, and I encourage you just take one faithful step at a time because God's going to help guide us through this process. And so uh, we are preparing. And so over the next few Wednesdays for this month. What we're going to use Wednesdays for is I asked some of our amen corner, some of my best ameners in the church to be here, the most vocal people to be with me tonight. And I love that because we want to continue to start training our whole church to be just like that because we're not an individual worshiper. We're a collective collaboration of worship that that's how we respond to Christ and how we're called to in unity. So. Um, so we're going to have, over the next few weeks, we're going to have like training. So then we'll have uh, our ushers team and greeters team or a kids team come on a Wednesday night so we can train them for the new protocol of hand sanitizer, of waving, of all the different things we want to be ready for. Because if we just open the doors this Sunday, we'd have a lot of volunteers who don't really know what to do and how to do it to make people feel comfortable coming in. We've even spread out all of our rows already and taken out multiple rows just to be able to fit everything. So we've got three three feet between each row, and we're spreading them out as much as we can. We've got two big overflow rooms that we're preparing uh, to make sure that we can spread everybody out. There'll be RSVPs when we do have services on Sundays and Wednesdays again, so we can prepare to accommodate, because as you have been attending, you know, if you've been here prior, we grew by 100 people every week in the month of January and February leading into March, so we have to prepare appropriately. And so uh, we want to make sure that we do it wisely. So we're going to do RSVPs. You'll be hearing about that later. And um, then also uh, we'll be sending that other survey out. And then this Sunday, we encourage you, we're not able to do the drive-in service yet. There are a lot of moving pieces that we're trying to get in order uh, to have a huge parking lot that we can do, like the fairgrounds, to have a, a drive-in service. But they're doing COVID testing on the weekend. So we don't want to have COVID testing and Bridge Church at the same time. Even though I'd love to pray over everybody who's coming to get tested, I, I, I think that it would be unwise to try to create an opportunity 
that could turn out negative. And so we're, we're not going to have this Sunday drive-in. It's going to be online. Uh, and then the next two Sundays, our goal is the last two Sundays of the month to have drive-in services that everybody will know about. And that'll be fun. Yeah, I, I, like, I like drive-in services. A lot of my friends and family and others in ministry have been doing them, and they love doing them because they have massive parking lots. We got like 40 spaces out there for 900 people, so it's a little difficult. So what we're trying to do is navigate through that. So uh, we're going to figure it out, and we're going to help that happen. But the two last Sundays of the month, and then what we'll do is we'll prepare for our first Sunday back, the first Sunday in June, June 7th. That's our goal, right? June 7th. Let's get back. Sorry if I'm a little, I'm a little hype. I was listening to my hype music before I came out here. I listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I was listening to Ski Low. Remember Ski Low? I wish, I wish I was a baller. I wish I was a little bit tall. So I was all on this hype before I came out here. So I'm a little gangster and a little crazy right now, so forgive me. But uh, we have some great things that are coming up, so we want to just make sure everybody knows the game plan uh, because I don't want you to feel left in the dark and excluded and not knowing what's coming up for us because we are going to reopen. We are going to come back, and we are going to have incredible services again in person, but we want to be prepared for that, and I know you understand it. So that are, that's all my announcements. I covered Wednesdays and Sundays and all the way to the 1st of June, so good. We're good. All right, great. So let's get into the word. I won't be long tonight. I just want to teach just a little bit. So back in Genesis chapter 20 and verse 10, you saw the scripture. It started off by Abimelech, the king. And Abimelech was a common name, just to give you, a, you've heard it before in other parts of the Bible. It was a common name for kings in Philistine and, and with the Philistines. And so it was kind of like saying Pharaoh. So that's how common it was. It was a pharaoh of their day. It was that kind of picture. This guy was a ruler. And so this ruler looked at Abram and he said, Abraham, what are you doing? What, what, what is this view that you have that you made this decision? And I want to talk to everybody tonight is what is your perspective? What are you seeing? Because their perspective will shape your world and your world will shape your decisions because our decisions are shaped by what we see. Because if I perceive you to be an enemy, I'm going to treat you as such. If I perceive you to be a friend, I'm going to treat you. It's all how we perceive and how we, we make our decisions upon what we're able to see. Part of that is wisdom. I'm going to take a clear next step because I can see my clear next step. But there are things that we, decisions that we make even in times of, of, of comfort, let alone times of difficulty, that because of our perspective, we make incorrect decisions because our view isn't correct. And that's why a man of stature and leadership and anointing said, Abram, why did you make this decision? I want you to write that down in your notes. Why are you making the decisions you are making? Because we're making decisions based on godly wisdom, not on what my flesh feels like. And I encourage you that there are times that it may make sense. And there are times that it may not make any sense because I'm following God and I'm not following man. I'm following God and not government. I'm following God and not what I just feel like for the day. I'm following God. And so you, it's, it's all, he even asked, this is a guy who doesn't even have a relationship with God, but yet he's wise enough to know what are you seeing this like? What are you seeing each other like? What If you're a Republican, how are you looking at Democrats and vice versa? If you're a man, how do you look at women? And women, how do you look at men? And one generation looking at another generation and deciding what your opinions and decisions will be about them because your perspective 
may be incorrect. And you have to change your perspective in order to engage in an appropriate, healthy manner. Because this all started off at the beginning with Abram. And Abram was coming in, and this is really before he became Abraham because he was in the middle of his covenant, of getting ready for his covenant that he made with God. And he's, he's getting there. Isaac is going to be put on the altar here in a little while, but he's not really there yet. So Abram's learning some lessons. And so he, he goes into the land, and there's King Abimelech, and he, he tells him, hey, uh, this is my sister Sarah when it's really his wife Sarah. Because remember, Sarah was beautiful. Sarah was gorgeous. Sarah was uh, like right there below Pastor Emily's beautifulness, right there. Like she, she's here. Emily said, I'm just scoring some points, y'all. Y'all help me. So she was incredibly beautiful. And so he didn't want to be robbed and killed and taken advantage of. So he lied. He was deceitful. And he said, hey, this is my sister. This is not my, this isn't my wife. And so he took Sarah, Abimelech did, and put him into his harem. Now, I'm not going into all that because there are families tuning in right now. And so he put her in his harem, but he did not know her in the biblical sense and so he didn't know her and he but he had a dream so then he has a dream and this dream God speaks to this man who has no relationship with God and he says I need to talk with you did you know God will talk to you when you don't know who God is and I think there's a lot of people who are tuning in tonight you were a Muslim and you gave your life to Jesus you were a, you were a Mormon and you gave your life to grace wherever you were on the spectrum of religion or you were an atheist or you were agnostic and and all of a sudden you started to click on, you tuned in, you came to a service and you're like, I really don't know if I can understand what they're, where they're headed and what they're saying. And God is here to say to you, I'm going to speak to you when, when you don't even know it's me because I want to talk to you and you may call me a moon God or this God or Eve or you may worship the creation, but you're about to get to know the creator because I, I need you to have a relationship with me. Did you know Abraham? We all like to talk about Father Abraham. Had many sons. And Father Abraham was awesome. He was the father of our faith. And they talk about him in the hall of faith in Hebrews. But Abram, worship, he was a pagan worshiper. And he worshiped God as the moon god forever until God revealed his glory to him and told him, I am the I am. And revealed his holy name to him. And so I'm, I'm just here to speak some patience into somebody who feels like you have to arrive the moment you decide. And you don't have to arrive the moment you decide. You just need to decide and God will get you on the journey that you need to be. But you just need to say, yes, I choose Jesus. Yes, I choose God. Yes, I choose faith. Yes, I choose passion. Yes, I choose faith. I don't choose doubt because it's a choice. Doubt is not a, a, a feeling. Doubt is a choice. Doubt is even in the spirit. Doubt is a choice. That's why the Bible calls it the sin of unbelief, because I choose to doubt, or I choose to be in disbelief, or I choose to not be in agreement. It's a choice. And so Abraham tells him, hey, this is what's going on, and God speaks to him in a dream and says, do not touch Sarah. Don't touch Sarah. Sarah belongs to Abram. It's really his wife. So God's, God unravels the mess. So God starts to speak some truth. And I, I, and I just want to speak to somebody's heart who feels like, man, what's really going on? There's a lot of deceit. 
I feel like there's a lot. Does anybody else, in, even in here online, do you feel like there's any lying going on out there and, and, or deceit or like there's more to the story? Like what do we not know? What, well, I, I, it's not that I need to know everything, but I feel like I'm missing a big piece that others know that I don't know. And how can I see correctly to, in my viewpoint and perspective to make healthy decisions if I feel like 60% of what I need to know I don't know and I'm just being lied to? And God said, don't worry about it. I'm going to clear it all up because even when others are manipulative and deceitful, he will clear it all up for you. And he's going to clear it up for his people. He's going to clear it up for our nation. He's going to clear it up for your family. When you got people who are trying to bring you down because they just don't like you or because they just, they're just manipulative people or they're deceitful people and they just, they have those tendencies and God love them, God forgive them. But when they have that, you got to understand that you don't even need to fight that battle. You can't fight manipulation. You just continue to live in the truth. You don't even have to speak the truth because I've had those moments in my life where others tried to manipulate so much that they tried to destroy my life. And you know what I did? I never spoke about it. I went and hit my knees and prayed and prayed and prayed. And you know what God did? God vindicated me. God cleared me. God unraveled the whole mess. Some of you who are dealing in this mess right now, you need to take heart, take peace and hit your knees and say, God, I'm going to let you clear it all up. So when it all does get cleared up, it wasn't because I said something or I did something or I spoke about something or I fought something or I protested something. It was because I prayed and God worked it all out. And so, man, I guess I love you guys. I'm so, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I can't wait till everybody's back in here and it's just a roar in this place because we're just hungry. Isn't that what he says for those who hunger and thirst? We ought to be hungry. And I'm so, th I got all these amens, guys. I might preach for another two hours. No, I'm just kidding. But no, no, no. But he, he, he's, he, he gets this dream and he gets clarity and he gets perspective and he, and he goes to Abraham and he says, hey, man, what was your view on this? Why did you do this? Why did you, why did you do that? Why did you, why did you treat me like this? Did I, did I give you an indicator that made you think I was your enemy? When I'm really your friend? Why did you see me as an adversary before you saw me as an ally? Why did you pr pr have a prejudice and try to predict your preference before you really knew who I was? Because I think there's a lot of people who need to understand that you need to stop predicting and, pr and use your preferences to just project, oh, I think she's probably like this. He's probably like this. Oh, you know what they're probably like? You know what he's probably like? You know what? People do that to me all the time. You know what he's probably like? You know, I bet I, I after one time of listening to him, I, I bet I know what he's like. And, you know, people come into church and they think they know who I am, but they don't know who I am. You don't know who I am. I'm learning who I am. And if I don't know who I am, how do you know who I am? Because the only one who knows who I am is the great I am. Because he created me and he established me. So why am I looking at other people with a one on their forehead when I should see them as a 10 on their forehead and say, man, you're probably amazing. I'm going to start off with the positive. I bet you're incredible. And I'm going to let you disappoint me before I just expect disappointment on somebody because 
because these are life principles that we're learning through scripture in the Old Testament that you thought was irrelevant to our era, but it's so appropriate for a, such a time as this that we would hear a word that says, I'm not going to look at your skin color. I'm not going to look at your political preference. I'm not going to look at where you live or where you don't live, how much you have or don't have, what you drive or don't drive. I'm not going to use that as the indicator of how valuable or good I think you are. I know that every single person under the sun that ever was and will be was created by the image of God and he spoke you into existence. He formed you in your mother's womb. He numbered the days. He counted the hairs on your head and he knows you and I don't need to look at anybody else any other way than they are a child of God. And Abraham made a mistake and made a wrong decision because he viewed his brother the wrong way. And you can't keep living and expect to change the world, keep viewing each other in a negative manner. And even if they don't do the right thing, are they supposed to be perfect to you? Are we expecting the wrong things out of each other? Are we expecting, uh, you, you know, the, like we all, I grew up, you know, we watched Friends. And then it was, uh, I think, How I Met Your Mother was another big episode. Or sitcom. And then it was, uh, what, The Office. And we learned, and we thought we learned The Simpsons or whatever you, I don't know. Were, were you, and you thought you learned, or Cheers, I'm looking at Joe. Uh, <laughs> and his gray beard. I'm going to pick on Joe for a little bit. Or cheers, I don't know. Or uh, Julie posted, what was that 70s war show? It was like a Vietnam. They were mash. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's how young. So, you, you, I mean, we think, what we think we do is we, we think we learn about relationships and subliminally in a, our mind, sometimes we expect a relationship to be like friends where we all just live together, love each other, hang out with each other. We're always together. So then when a friend isn't there as much as you think they should be, then all of a sudden they're not a good friend anymore when really they are a good friend, but you have predicted and you have put a preference and you have put an expectation where there should never be that expectation of, of excellence. They're, they're just supposed to be them. Can, can somebody be your friend and not be perfect? Can somebody be your leader and not be a perfect? Can, can somebody be your boss and not be perfect? Can somebody be your president and not be perfect? Can somebody be in your life without you put it, predicting your prejudice on them and saying, this is how I need you to be or else? As if we've never failed before. As if I've never made a mistake. As if somehow I am better than you. Man, I didn't even plan on preaching this tonight, but I, I, I really feel this in my heart that we have to reevaluate our level of expectations in other people. Because Abraham started with the negative, and I think I'm going to start with the positive. And I'm not going to expect perfection. I'm just going to expect positivity. I, I, I need that in my life. I, you know how frustrated all of us, anybody who's lived long enough, how, how frustrated we've been in people expecting all the wrong things, putting our friends and relationships in categories they should have never been in because we, we, we categorize them as this and I need you for this and I need you for that and yet they were never meant to fulfill that part of your life and it, we got to reevaluate how we see each other, right? Just like the poet Tupac said, we got to change the way we live. We got to change. I'm just going to, I'm get back in that man early nineties. I might throw some beats down. No, but you have, you have to change. You have to change, right? 
Everything changes, so why not change for the better? And if you're constantly changing, why not, why not get healthier rather than get more out of shape? Why, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. So then uh, I, I want to get to these last few points that I want to share with you. Because what happens is, he says, why have you done this thing? And then after that, he says, he goes in, he says, okay, I need to give Sarah back. So he goes to give Sarah back. Like God told him, God said, give Sarah back or I'll kill you. So he's like, got it, done. Okay, you have a vision from God and he says, do it or else. I'm like, all right, I'm going to pump the brakes. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to change some things. And he goes and gives her back. But the one thing that was really weird, God just said, give her back. But Abimelech did something above and beyond. Abimelech didn't just give. He was extremely generous. So now, think about this. Abram's the one who messed up. He's the one who was deceitful. He's the one who lied and cheated me and tried to trick me into God killing me so, and cursed me. So I would just be like, dude, get out of here. Go. Get it. Sarah. Run, 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 run. Go, 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 go. Get back, get back. And, and, and I don't need to. I would never have felt the obligation to give more. But Abimelech, what he does is he is so overly generous. He gives animals and livestock and he gives wealth and he gives increase and he blesses and he says, hey, Abram, I want to make sure that you are blessed. Now, let me. the reason why I'm telling you that is because of this. Is because he gets so generous with Abraham, I think it changed Abram's heart. Because up until this point, Abram only really knew his relationship with God and how to give to God, but he wasn't very good with people. We see that he did, in Egypt, he was terrible too. We see that here. We see it in a lot of other places. He wasn't great. He, he didn't have a lot of people skills. And so we, we see all of a sudden, though, something changes. And I want to tell you how I know it changes because Abram, all of a sudden, he, he gets all of this. He gets all of this stuff and he says, what? Why did you give me? Could you ever be imagined you were the one who was wrong? You are the one who did the wrong. You are the one who is manipulative. You are the one who is deceitful. You are the one who is sinful. And yet the, the king comes to you and says, you know what? I'm going to give this back to you, and I'm going to bless you and give you even more. Would you just kind of take a step back and say, what in the world? How, why are you? I'm the bad guy in this situation. Why am I being blessed when I'm the bad guy? And, and he gets blessed. It flips the script. Everybody say flip the script. So all of a sudden, it changes his paradigm. It changes his mindset. It changes his view. And now, Abram, in verse 17, look, at, look here. It says, so Abram, in response to all of this, Abram prayed to God. For what? That God would heal Abimelech and his wife and his female, female servants, that they would bear children. So let, now, hold on. Hold on before the applause. I know it's coming. I know you're feeling it, Thane. I'm with you. But let me tell you why. That's so important. Because let me ask you a theological question. When we all know that Abraham was promised to have kids, right? He was going to have Isaac. We know that. We know the story. He was promised that years before. When did Abram get the child? When did Sarah become pregnant? Right after this. It's because right after this, literally, you go 
two, one verse and you go to the top of 21 and it says, and Sarah became pregnant over time with Abraham and she bore Isaac. You want to know why that's so important? Because generosity begets generosity. And when Abram said, you know what? The very area that God promised me, yet I've struggled in, the very area I've had pain and heartache and miscarriage after miscarriage and I've seen cycle after cycle, no life, no nothing. And he says, you know what? The very area that I really want to pray for myself about, I'm going to pray for you about. And he turned around and prayed for somebody else. Come on, give God some praise right there because you need to change your heart. Somebody say, check my heart, Lord. Check my heart, Lord, because I have been so stingy in my prayers. I have, I have been so stingy about me and wanting what I want and how I feel and what I think that I have yet to turn and flip the script and pray for someone else. And in fact, not just pray for them, but pray for that they would be blessed in the way you want. God, I pray you would do that for them. I pray you'd give them. I pray you'd touch them. I pray you'd help them. I pray that, Lord, you know what? I'm praying for my marriage. I'm going to pray for their marriage. You know what? Single ladies, I'm praying for my man. I'm going to pray for their man. You know, all you single men, I'm praying for, I'm going to pray for his, I'm going to pray for his wife right there. That's I'm going to pray for their spouse right there. That's what's happening. You got to pray for each other and pray for that same exact area. Praying for that teenager. Amen. Amen. Pray for somebody else's teenager. Praying for your, stop praying for your finances and start praying for somebody else's finances. Stop praying for, for, for God to bless you during COVID and, and, and pray that God blesses somebody else during COVID. Pray that God ministers someone else's business. Your business being blessed, then pray that God's business is blessed. Pray that somebody else's business is blessed. Say, God, I want to be generous. I, I can't give it all. This guy was a king. I don't have all that. But what I can do is I can lay my heart on the line because I'm just going to tell you personally, I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to go 14 years and want a baby and not have a baby and have five miscarriages and constantly go through the cycle of losing life rather than gaining life. But I've learned how to turn my mourning into dancing, my sorrow to joy by saying, okay, God, I'm going to pray for them and I want to bless their baby and I want to become the, the funkle in the group, the fun uncle that just loves the kids and becomes all that I'm just gonna bless them and you know what God has blessed us and in two months we're gonna know from in vitro thank you Jesus for technology that we're gonna have a baby because I'm praying for somebody else and I pray for each other turn 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 your giving that you think is so gen into real generosity because Abram turned from a giver to a generous man just someone who likes to give drop some coin in a homeless bucket every once in a while, say, I'm a good person. You know, oh, I, I help change a flat tire for some. I help do this for somebody. Oh, I'm a giver. Uh, look at me. To a real person who says, I'm going to lay my heart on the line. And I'm going to pray for the very thing that my heart longs for. I'm going to pray for the very thing that I need desperately in my life. I'm going to pray for them. It's a message of hope because right after that, right after he prayed, right after he prayed, all of a sudden, now uh, it came time. Coincidence in her old age? No way. No way. It was perfect timing because God was saying, Abraham, I got to take you on a trip with me. And, and I got I to gotta work some dis dysfunction out of you. 
I got to take you through all of this stuff with your little brother-in-law, Lot. I'm going to take you through all this garbage that you got to do to get to the promised land. And I'm going to keep walking you one step at a time. And I'm trying to work some dysfunction out of you. So finally, when you get the picture by a pagan king who doesn't worship me but heard from me, now realizes who I am and becomes one of the most generous people in your life, you'll finally get the picture that it's not about you, Abraham. It's about what I can do through you if you'll let me and if you'll be generous with your heart and your time and your talent and your treasure. I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all you could ever think, imagine, or ask. Amen. If you believe that, give God some praise wherever you're tuning in tonight, wherever you're tuning in tomorrow, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. Let's stand together. Stand together in your home. Stand together in your house. Stand together here. Stand, stand at your job. If, as long as it doesn't require driving, and don't stand. But I want you to tune in with me as we close this because this was a word straight from heaven just for you. See, you think you clicked on Facebook by accident, but you clicked on purpose. You think you tuned in tonight because it was just something to do. Why not? But God said, no, no, this is for you. This isn't for anyone else. This is for you. And I need to speak to your heart. So everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. This message is for somebody's heart. Because he's trying to get your heart. While you have a viewpoint that you only think with your head, God's saying, I need you to get your perspective and your heart in alignment so that I don't just have your mind, I have your heart. Can I have your heart tonight? Can I have your heart tonight? And some of us have been so practical and logical with God that we've yet to give the relational side to God, our heart to God. And if that's you right now, standing in homes around this nation and even in Spain tonight, wherever you are, I pray that you would raise your hand in faith and that you would begin to say, Jesus, I need you. I don't want to just know you. I want to have you in my life. And I don't just want to have you and have a one-way relationship. I, I want to have a two-street relationship. And I, I, I want you to have my heart too. And I know you've already given because you love me before, you even, before I even took my first breath. But God, now that I've been breathing, now that I have breath, I will praise the Lord. And I will surrender to you. And right now, I just want you to say in the comment section or just while you're raising your hands and you're saying out loud, say, I choose Jesus. And I surrender my heart. I surrender my heart. I give you my heart, God. I give you my heart. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, Lord, that we're going to see each other differently because our viewpoint is going to change. God, we're going to trust in you that even in the midst of the worst of manipulation and deceit and lying and witchcraft and anything that may come against us, God, Lord, you will sort it out. I don't need to be the vindicator. You are my vindicator. I don't need to be the warrior. You're my warrior. I don't need to be my strong tower. You're my strong tower. I don't need to be my defender. You are my defender. And I thank you, Lord, that I surrender so that you can become the defender I so desperately need. And I thank you, Lord, that we surrender right now, a fresh surrender for what you're about to do. And I pray that you lead us, guide us, and direct us into all truth. And Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that our viewpoint's going to change. 
And God, Lord, we're going to start not just being a giver, but being extraordinarily, extravagantly generous with our time, with our love, with our prayer, with our treasure. Because where our treasure is, there our heart is also. So I'm going to be extravagant in my generosity. And I thank you, Lord, for the word that you've downloaded into each and every one of us. I thank you for allowing me the privilege to preach your word. And I thank you for anointing me to accomplish the assignment that you put me on here tonight. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Let's give God some praise. Awesome. And look at that. I finished on pretty decent time, 8.07. That's not bad. Sunday I preached for an, I found out afterwards, I preached for an hour and 10 minutes. I didn't know that, but I found out after when I saw the length and I was like, oh man, that's way too long, Landon. You need to land that plane a little earlier. Uh, but no, we had a great time last Sunday. I look forward that you turn, tune in this Sunday. I'm part three of Dorothy Don't Look Back, and it's incredible, phenomenal. you got to be here for it, tune in for it. But I want to speak this declaration with you uh, over our week, our month, our year, over our lives, our hearts, and our homes, and our businesses. And let's declare it together. Say it out loud with me. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you Sunday. We are so glad that you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision today, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ for the first time or rededicating your life, send us an email at info at wearebridge.church and let us know that you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you are joining us for the first time with our Bridge Church online family, we have a very special gift for you. Email us at info at wearebridge.church to share some information on where we can send that gift. We are so glad that you joined us today and we can't wait to see you soon. That's right, so make sure you stay connected because why? We are so much better together. Bye, Bridge fam.